warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite gal pal, Tara. Hey, spooksters. If you are new here, welcome to the Spookster community. If you are a returning Spookster, welcome back. I'm going to say that this is not how my voice sounds all the time. If you are listening for the first time and you're like, dear God. No, she's sick. No, I'm just sick. <laughs> and Spooksters would immediately be like, what's wrong with Jessica? I'm dying. It's fine. <laughs> my boss is toddler, who I love so much. She's a great little kid. Has started daycare this year and... um. She brings all the germs to him, and then he's so nice to share them with me. So How nice. How nice. I know. Just <laughs> sharing is caring. Keep your germs to yourself. Like, literally, <laughs> I tell people, like, if you don't have kids, I don't have kids. So, like, if you don't have kids or you don't have young kids, don't touch children. Don't touch the things they touch because they are incubators of germs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And your immune system is not set up to take it. Mm-mm. If you are around small children all the time, your immune system going to pop up. Like, after this, I think he's going to be good. I mean, my, my kid still gets me sick, and she's in middle school now, so. Well, right. But, like, it's <laughs> fewer and far between because, like, your middle schooler knows to, like, wash her hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, like, how to blow her nose properly yeah. and things like that. Whereas, like, toddlers are like, oh, boogers are running down my face. I'm just going to wipe it on my hand <laughs> or my toy. I love that little kid. Or on you. <laughs> or on you. Like, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, I'm a little, I'm a little under the weather. So bear with me on this. If you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to Three Spooked Girls on any of the platforms. I don't know. Did we ever sign up for threads? No, I didn't do it. We're going to get a threads eventually. So it's a great thing to segue to, like, because we have our Facebook group, right? And if you want us to go on threads, go in the Facebook group and, like, yell it on this on this episode post and tell us you want us on threads. We'll, we'll do it if you want it. If not, meh. It's fine. But Tara and I both have individual threads, so. Yeah, just go there instead. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. <laughs> but we do have a really good Facebook group. Yes. I'm going to apologize right now. I know that I have some outstanding tasks for the Facebook group. But again, I've been sick and I just haven't had the energy. I'm going to get to it. I promise that I'm not leaving those of you who haven't gotten a secret Satan thing, like who participated, who haven't got it. We're figuring out a way to make it right. Everyone just please give me grace and patience. Like I get on your end that you're like, I want, I want, I want. But like, 
I'm one person and I get overwhelmed and I'm sick. Yeah. (laughs) So definitely join the Facebook group. It's Three Spook Girls Official, obviously on Facebook. We talk about the episodes. We also um, do like Book of the Month Club. I believe in November we are doing our own book, but it is based off of like an auto. You're supposed to be reading an autobiography. I'm going to be listening to Dolly Parton's. Oh. I have to finish my series that I'm currently listening to, the Mystic Bayou series by Molly Harper. Mm-hmm. If you have Audible, definitely check it out because it's free. Yeah, I know. I need to start it. I know. I keep it every day. I'm like, Tara, oh my God. <laughs> She's like, leave me alone. Hey, I listened to that other one you told me to. So oh, that's true. And um, so definitely check out the Facebook group. It's a great group of individuals. We love the interactions that happen in there. We also have a Patreon if you want to help support the show. It's patreon.com backslash three spook girls or in the show notes. There's all the information that you might need. Definitely check it out for a little as a dollar you get bonus episodes every month five and up get video also five and up get ad free episodes the day before it airs we do video content so if you're enjoying the vital conversations you can see those as video content on there as well so with that we're gonna dive straight in to that episode this is episode three of the way down and the story of gwen shamblin and this one is called seen and not heard I'm going to do a bunch of trigger warnings right in a row right now. Oh my God, it's so bad. If you have a trigger warning with child abuse, child death, child murder, not an episode for you. Yeah. If you are triggered by eating disorders or disordered eating or anything like that, maybe not be an episode for you. Mm -hmm. Also, marital abuse or infidelity and things of that nature, maybe not an episode for you because this one fucking 50 minute episode was like the whirlywind so much shit you know what though because originally it was the three episodes it makes sense damn they made it count they made it fucking count it's true there's so much that happens in this episode oh my gosh yeah tara's right because it originally was a three-parter and it went up and then after the three parts went up they added two more episodes and we will be covering those two extra episodes here on the show so this episode yeah it's it's big and it's got a lot in it also if you have if you struggle with suicide or unaliving thoughts that a theme throughout this episode as well our number one most important thing with the podcast is that our listeners are safe we do not want you to listen to something that could trigger you and put you in a bad headspace we love you so maybe next episode is for you we take this very seriously so if like any of these trigger you just don't push forward i'll say funny shit the next episode that you can laugh at so i'll be funnier in the next episode so the end of the last episode we met two people Their names are Joseph and Sonia Smith. They're a couple out of Atlanta and they belong to this church. I figured it out. I believe this church does like remote. So like you would like could watch it. Yeah, because I think they have like radio or like they streamed it like somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Joseph and Sonia Smith were a part of this. And we're going to get to them. So that's it's and it kind of leads to like the child abuse that's there. They have something at the Remnant Fellowship Church called Scion Kids. And basically, it's like their children's group. And it's a quote from Gwen Chamblay is that parents are looking for answers for the increasingly immoral children of today. Kids aren't more immoral today than they were. I think granted, they have like more opportunities to like maybe see some like scathing things. It's the internet now. Like it's there. Like if you Google 
yeah. anything. It can come up porn these days. Whereas in the 1950s, you had to go purchase porn or stare in your neighbor's window. People had to put in more effort. Now it's easier. It's not that they're more immoral. It's just that shit's easier. Yeah. Like with technology, shit becomes easier. Kids didn't have, like in my church, kids had like their own like kids church. So typically how it worked at like my church is kids would come into service and like do like praise, the praise portion. Yeah. And then they would like take the offering. And then after the offering, the pastor would be like, okay, kids are dismissed to go to kids church. Mm -hmm. So then kids would go back into kids church. That way it wasn't like they weren't in there at all. But in this church, that's not how it was, is that kids oh. were in church the whole time. Interesting. And Gwen really, like, kind of, like, praised herself on this because it basically was showing that their kids were these, like, amazing church kids because they could sit through a fucking three-hour service, apparently. But that's, like, in my heart, in my head, it's, like, that's horrible because they were, we'll talk about it, they were beaten to submission for this. They believed in the authority doctrine. This basically says that God is on top then your church leaders, then your boss, then like your spouse. If you're married, it's your husband. Women are never in the authority here. Their only authority is a parent. And then siblings were also an authority if you had younger siblings. And this is according to their doctrine, kids as young as nine could discipline kids as old as five. Oh, no. Mm -mm. And I do mean that in the literal sense of discipline. Yeah. Nope, that's horrible. That's a horrible Mm -hmm. idea. They believe that obedient children were a direct reflection of God is with us and that God had blessed them. And they believed in training their kids, which was to spank them until they cried. Yeah. There's a woman in here by the name of Gina. She was in the last two episodes she's in all five episodes she was like really in it like she was in it from like 96 to 2013 yeah a long time and she was like one of gwen's like right hands and gwen basically told her like if your kids aren't listening you spank them until they cry and then they'll feel it and here's the thing kids who are abused like that they're not obedient they're fearful Mm -hmm. they're only gonna listen to you not because they respect you not because they look at you as an authority figure and you're this righteous person in their mind they're looking at you like if i don't do what you say you're gonna beat me that's not love Mm -mm. i've gone on the record i don't believe in the church but like the bible does not tell you like it says spare the rod spoil the child and it means like don't let your fucking kids get away with everything like let's not take it literal right don't beat your kid within an inch of their life and then be like why does my kid hate me gwen says that like two-thirds of high school graduates don't come back to church i wonder why yeah why would i come back to church if like it's taught that like an older person can smack the shit out of me right they talk about the glue stick and they actually show it in this episode and it made sense to me because I was thinking, I was trying to picture like a long glue stick, you know, with like a cap and things. They mean like a hot glue yeah, stick. Yeah. So it's like the bigger ones with a big hot, like the hot glue guns. And I was like, oh, this makes more sense to me. Because they kept calling the glue stick. And I'm like, glue sticks? The fuck? Basically, Gina, someone had told her about this. So she brings it to Gwen. She's like, I don't know if I should spank my kids with this. And Gwen kind of like smacks herself on the arm, on the leg. Like Gwen starts hitting herself with it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, that does sting. This would work. And Gina says that like she takes it home and she spanks her kids with it one time. And she was like, never again. 
She's like, she saw what she did to her kids and was like, absolutely not. Gwen preached, and two children, I might add, that if they didn't obey their parents on the first time, they were going to hell, which is such fucking bullshit. So basically what she's saying, telling you is if your parents have to tell you twice, you're going to hell. You should get up and clean your room the first time they tell them. Granted, every parent would love their kid to like listen to them on the first try. Like, you're a parent. You would love it if you were like, hey, Bug, go do this. And she was just like, but a doop. Mm-hmm. Granted, Bug is very good and does a lot of the things on the first time. But she's also a kid. Right. And she has a kid attention span. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as someone who has suffered with ADHD her whole life, it's like, sometimes it's out of your control. Yeah. Like, I have executive dysfunction. I had executive dysfunction as a teenager. My parents just called it laziness. But really, it was, I want to get up and do that, but I, I, my brain won't let me. So that brings us to Joseph and Sonia Smith. When we first kind of like talk about them in this episode, we're talking about their, they had a child whose name was, I believe, Malik, and he passed away of SIDS. It was said that the their middle child, whose name was Joseph, but instead of the traditional spelling, he had an F instead of a PH. He was like storing knives in his room and he was like threatening the baby. And so Gwen took a special interest and counseled them. 11 weeks later, Joseph would be dead. The EMTs and the ER physicians said that this was the worst case they had ever seen when it came to child abuse. They determined that the child had been killed, that the child hadn't just, like, become deceased for some reason. Right. Mm -hmm. And that the body of young Joseph, who was eight when this happened, had injuries all over him except for the palms of his hands and the soles of his feet. We mentioned Malik, who was 17 months when he died. The detective was like, this was weird. In such a short amount of time. Yeah. This is the actual thing that happened. And this is what leads me to believe that, like, they were at home watching the service. Because it said that, like, Joseph was disruptive during, like, a praise and worship service. And that his parents took this, like, wicker box, but it looks like a trunk. And they put him in it. And he kept, like, popping up the top. But when I say, like, wicker, I don't mean, like, loose like 90s wicker or whatever like where you can see through it was like really like tight knit and it looked like it had some sort of seal on it so he probably couldn't breathe so he was like popping up the top and this was annoying his parents and so they slammed down the lid and then they bungee corded it shut bro what the fuck how is that something that's okay like i just when i heard that i'm like it was bad enough that they like slammed it on him but like bungee cord it i'm sorry this is your child this is a human being you're not strapping down something in the back of your fucking vehicle like what the fuck right exactly and then i guess like at the end of the worship service they're like listening to the regular service and they notice that there was no sounds coming from the box so they undo the box and joseph was non-responsive so they called 911 the paramedics came and they believe that the death was a combination of the blunt force trauma to his head and if you watch the documentary there's like big chunks in his head yeah and the box had like these three like think about like when you think of the inside of like a some sort of like box Mm -hmm. there's like the frame and there was like slats yeah that like ran across it that's what it looks like like it hit him in his head and suffocation so it was like the lack of air and so the detective had was like, what the fuck? And was like trying to figure this out. But he had heard about the whole glue stick thing. So he went and got a glue stick and laid it against the wounds on young Joseph 
and they were like all over his body and they were perfect. These two fuckers had been beating him with a glue stick. So the detective was like, where the fuck did this come from? And found out that it had been a suggestion from Remnant Fellowship on the, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child type thing. So he actually gets a fucking warrant to go in there. And he goes in and he finds this tape. This tape is fucking damning. So basically, I don't really know how this works. I don't know if it's like a conference line that they have or whatever, but basically people would like call in and like ask for advice or give a testimony. And Remnant Fellowship fucking recorded all of this and kept it. I don't, I actually, I think the reason they did is that it was so that they could use it against people later in life. So to be like, remember this time, you can't leave the church because remember this time you asked about like disciplining your kids. If you go out in the world, people will think you abuse your kids because we'll let them know about this tape. Oh, yeah, they do. They actually, they do webcast services at over 150 locations around the world. Which makes sense, yeah. So Sonia calls in and she talks to Gwen. Now, at first she's talking to, there's a man that's going to come up in this episode. His name is so, he's so named properly. His name is Ted Anger. And Ted is her leader. And Ted had given her advice. His advice was to spank him on the thighs until he cried. He also gave the advice to like take everything away. So like, I guess one time young Joseph, who was like seven at the time, was just being particularly ornery, which I think seven-year-olds are ornery because they have this such energy and they're like, right? what do I do? I don't know a lot of things. I don't know how to like help myself. You're supposed to redirect him. It's your fucking job as a parent. If that offends you, I'm sorry, but it is your job to entertain your children because you had them. They didn't ask to be here. You brought them into the world. You better fucking entertain them. Teach them to read. Give them an iPad. But they took everything out of his room like bed, everything. And the only thing this kid had was a Bible. I'm pretty sure there's no documentation of this. I'm pretty sure they didn't fucking feed this kid. Oh, probably not. And they locked him in from Friday night to Monday morning. So all he had was his Bible. So that means he didn't have a bathroom, that anything. And it's really interesting. In a tape that was recorded in 2003, Gwen said, we're ruining their lives by letting them think about themselves at all. This is like literally what they preach is that your children should never think about themselves. They should only think about you and only praising God. But the it should go up their authority line. Well, obviously, when the detectives are like, wait a second, this kid has been murdered. They arrest his parents because his parents are like, we put him in the box. And so they were like, okay. The church was like, oh shit, these people are going to jail. They actually paid for their bail to get out and they paid for their lawyers. And in the documentary, they show checks where they're writing thousands of dollars of like legal fees for this, for these two individuals. The church's defense came up with a couple of things. The first one was that he actually wasn't in the box, that he hit his head on a banister and then had a seizure and that's how he died. Obviously medical, you know, medical reports didn't back that up. He hadn't had a seizure and he hadn't hit his head on a banister. He was in a fucking box. And then the other explanation for the bruises all over his body is that the kid had eczema. That's not the same thing. I don't have eczema, but I'm pretty sure that eczema... I mean, I don't know. Maybe eczema can cause bruising, like, in severe cases. But I feel like it's probably, like, how you're taking care of your eczema. Like, if you're, like, scratching yourself or, like, rubbing yourself really hard. I can see getting bruises that way. And I'm speaking completely... I don't know. So if like you have eczema and you get bruises, please let me know like from your eczema. But I didn't think that was one of the. But it's bullshit in this case, for sure. One, he didn't have eczema. 
In an earlier episode, we learn about there's this girl who was like babysitting at the church and Joseph Sr. So like the dad, Joseph is like probably like five or six at the time, maybe, maybe seven years old. And he's having a really hard time. And it's like there's a conference going on and the dad you know, she's trying to comfort him because that's what a good babysitter does. The kid is upset. How do I make the kid not upset? So she says that and it's like this motion. She takes her fist and she takes her hand and like, think like karate kid style. And the dad just is like, hit him, hit him hard. And she's like, the fuck? She's like, hit him hard. So then she's like, I won't do that. And he's like, no, you got to hit your kid. You got to hit him. You got to hit him really hard. And it's like showing fist punching. She sees this on the news that this kid has died. They go to the police and they're like, They tell the story. So they go to trial and Joseph and Sonia are sentenced to life plus 30 years. And their like defense is that they were following the authority line, which is like, you know, we believed what our church leader said. And according to the public view of Remnant Fellowship, certain men are have the global authority. And then Gwen is under that those men. And then there's male leaders in the church under her. But the reality is Gwen is the top of this pyramid. She's just really good at finding men who will pretend that she's not in charge. All of these men have used the weight loss program. All the men who are the top tier global have used the weight loss program and have kept it off because remember, weight loss equals purity. Each leader had an area, so I don't know if it's like geographical or just, but they had a group of people that they were assigned to. Gina comes back and her upline leader was like i saw this as kind of like an mlm structure oh for sure for sure (laughs) yeah gwen is like ted anger is like his is like her family's like authority like that's who they go to they're they're upline and basically what it's supposed to be is like this is what didn't make sense is like they were supposed to be the leaders of the church like ted is supposed to be the high tier but anytime they would go to ted and be like hey ted what do we do he's like let me pray on it and ask gwen so then he would go to gwen and then gwen would come up with like whatever is that she has and then they would go back to the member and be like this is what you're supposed to do and to be a member gwen have said that to be a member you have to love that their authority and their direction and only love their authority and their direction screw it if god is telling you something gwen tells you something different that's god and then the leadership has every say in your life and this is something like I experienced in church. Like, I think I brought it up when Rags was on the show that we were talking about like how I got called into a meeting at my church with my youth pastor and my pastor. And they were like, you can't date this guy in our church. And he was like a year older than me. And they were like, he's growing in Christ. And if you come in into his life, you're going to make him stumble. And I was like, I don't like him like that. And they're like, but you guys are really close and we see you two flirting. And I was like, I just flirt. Like, that's just me. Mm-hmm. I flirt with a tree. Like, I'll flirt with anything. <laughs> it's very, it's, I know sometimes it's misleading, but I don't mean to be. It's very much like I get this vibe where it's like people how to say, like, they were saying things like, oh, you couldn't go to a funeral. You couldn't have people, like, you couldn't have your family come into town unless the church blessed it. And social media was a big thing, too. This is a text message that there's a woman by name, Terry Phillips. This may have been her, but someone had said to her, you may want to run it by Elizabeth or Ted that you want slash have a Facebook. I know that that needs to be run by leadership. So check in with them ASAP. Okay? Like, that's literally a text message. Like, you're like, I want a Facebook. 
There was one teenager who was like, yeah, Ted had access to all my, like, login information. She was a teenager. That's inappropriate. Right. And not, like, I understand as, like, a parent, you being, like, the rule is I can log in. Yeah. Like, I get that. Like, but, like, someone else's parent. But the thing is, is in this church, Ted could discipline whoever the fuck he wanted. All the members of the church use, like, WhatsApp and they use Marco, or they used Marco Polo. I don't know if Marco Polo is a real thing still. I don't know. I don't think so. I actually really liked Marco Polo. Mm -hmm. We used to use Marco Polo. We did. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, you were constantly in contact with your leadership. It really sounds like, like, once you join this church, you get, like, a person, like, your upline person, and then, like, they run your life. So you just do whatever they say. And, I mean, that's got to be nice in some aspects of it, because you don't have to think. You'd be like, hey, I was thinking about wearing purple to church. And he's like, nope, don't wear purple. You know, wear blue. And you're like, cool, I'm gonna wear blue. And apparently, Ted is a totally different type of monster. There's an individual named, who's identifies as Monica. Monica identity is, like, hidden, According to Monica, one, Ted tried to change his name from Ted Anger to Ted Ange. He tried to like Tarjay himself is basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I instantly thought that. <laughs> he probably was like, ooh, Tarjay, Ange. Like, that's my name. Like, I'm not Anger. But like. Fucking idiot. <laughs> it's the most fitting name for him. Apparently, he would get angry really fast and yell at people. Monica described Ted's attitude towards punishment was that he would gleefully pull someone in for punishment. Yeah. Gleefully. He was happy to do it. And he would spank other people's kids. And he didn't use glue sticks. The fucker used a belt. Monica says that there's a feeling that children are not safe around Ted Anger. Big red flag. Mm -hmm. Big red flag. There's also, I didn't catch this gentleman's name and I wish I had. He is an ex-member of the church and his best friend ended up like committing suicide because he overdosed, which is like, well, like a lot of people overdose on accident. Like they don't know drugs and they, they try, but like this kid was trying to run from some demons that he had. And he said that Gwen looks at children as a financial investment. Which is true. If you raise kids to stay in your church and not leave, and because these kids are fucking homeschooled, these kids are like being taught by people in the community, they're not going anywhere. No, they're in the bubble. They're going to stay in the church, and that means more money from them is going to keep coming in. There's a, a girl by the name of Autumn Williamson, and she'd been a, a member when she was a kid, and she said that like at 12, 13 years old, she was so depressed. And that's really young for depression. Yeah. And apparently in this church, you're not allowed to be depressed. We talked about it when with her son, Michael Chamblay. Like he had like mental health problems that he needed like help, help with. with. Yeah. And he wasn't getting it because it was you're not allowed to have this. And we're going to talk about a case in that a little later. But the other part of this is, is like, let's say you're depressed. Like you were an island. You couldn't tell people because the culture there was you would turn people in. So you all know Tara and I are best friends. And if we lived in this church and I came to Tara, not that Tara would ever, but like in this community, if she was one, if we were one of these brainwashed people, basically be like, Tara, I'm having like, you know, I'm depressed. Tara would then run to the leadership and be like, oh my God, Jessica told me that she's depressed. The demons are on her. Then you would get hauled in for counseling. Gwen says that the husband is the head of the household and you have to do what he says. And if not, you get leadership counseling and leadership counseling equals mental torture. Basically, they come in and they tell you how you're a bad mother. You're not a good Christian. You're a bad wife, blah, blah, blah. 
I believe it. I didn't write her name down, but she's the lady who shaved her head to like free herself mm-hmm. of Gwen Chamblay, which I totally get. Like, oh yeah, for sure. If you're trying to get rid of Gwen, get rid of the hair. <laughs> and she basically was saying that like she had a second kid, and when she had a second kid, you know, she needed she needed a job. So the church was like, oh, we have this for you. We're gonna have you come and work childcare in our facility, like in our Exodus whatever facility. And you're going to watch kids under six and you're going to have between three and six of them all day. You're going to watch them plus your kid. And so then she'd get home and she'd just be tired because that's exhausting. Like I used to run a nursery, Mm -hmm. but you're exhausted. Yeah. Like you literally come out of church and you're like, oh, I'd come out and be like, oh my God, this is so, this took so long for me to do. And it was because of the fact that like a bunch of kids are a lot of work. I do not understand those moms who have like octuplets. If they do that on their own, they're amazing. The person I'm going to call Michelle, I don't actually know if her name is Michelle, but that's who I'm going to identify her as. She would come home and then her husband would come home and be like, hey, let's go have sex. And she'd be like, I'm really tired. I don't want to. And her husband goes to Ted and Ted goes to his wife, Candace, and is like, you need to tell her to just do it. So Candace comes over and is like, hey, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get yourself a glass of wine. You can drink it. You might need two. But then when he wants it, you're just going to give in and do it. And the thing that Michelle, who I'm calling Michelle, says is that like, this is rape. Yeah. This is marital rape. Like you don't want to do it, but you're being forced to do it to appease your husband. That's marital rape. Having unconsensual sex. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, well, that's not really because they're no, it's rape because you're not wanting to do this and you're being made to do it against your will. Mm -hmm. So Ted told her, you know what I think is happening? This is like how much they're in their lives. You know what I think is happening? You're on birth control. I think your birth control is killing your sex drive. I think if you go off birth control, your sex drive will come up and you'll want to have sex with your husband. Like, okay, elephant in the room. Women's sex drives sometimes over time diminish Mm -hmm. because the hormonal stuff. That's a different conversation. And a husband and a wife should have those conversations and be like, hey, is something going on with you? Like, do you like, do you need to go to the doctor? Right. That is between a husband and a wife or or wife and a wife or between peoples and peoples is what I'm saying. The spouses. Yeah. Thank you. You and your partner. Yes. Yeah. It's very intimate. No fucking Ted Anger should be involved in this conversation. Hell no. And he basically tells her like, you're not going to get pregnant. I don't know if he's like, your husband's going to pull out or whatever the fuck it is, but you're not going to get pregnant. Well, they get pregnant. They get pregnant. And then Ted is like, how could you get pregnant? That's so careless of you. Bitch, you told me to get off birth control. Right? If she hadn't done it, she wouldn't have been submissive to her husband which is the whole whole teaching of this and now we're gonna talk about break my heart gina i love gina Mm -hmm. so gina's husband was like had addictions and one of his addictions was he cheated on her all the time and she recounts this story where she calls ted up and she's like ted he just has to go to a hotel tonight i cannot see him something that she had found out that day just hit her and she just like couldn't see him and ted is like look He's with, he's so sorry. He's so repentant. Literally, I don't know if you know this, but in the Ten Commandments, one of them is thou shalt not commit adultery. This fucker is out there fucking around on his wife. But Ted is like, to be a good Christian woman, you need to bring, you need to let him back in. And he actually used the words, do it to me as a personal favor. Bruh. Let him come home. He's sorry. He's so disgusting. Her husband came home. She like he came to bed she turned away from him and just cried all night and then woke up the next day like nothing happened this is the problem with these like masculine driven churches where like women's feelings are brought into it there's nothing wrong with having some sort of like respect for your partner there's nothing wrong but you know what i'm sorry just because you have a penis 
doesn't mean you deserve more authority than me. Facts. It doesn't matter if you make more money than I do. We as spouses should be equal. Mm -hmm. I think this is where like dynamics with kids. A lot of times I see this play out. The wait till your dad gets home moment. Because dad's going to come in and do the heavy lifting because he doesn't do the other shit. Just be the partner. Right. I know I say this as like a divorcee, but like there's a reason I'm a divorcee. Like my partner and I weren't partners. Mm -hmm. And the big thing is, is this is like the cult culture is that they have control over you. And it starts out little. You think about this church, it starts out with your diet. And then it gets into every aspect because you're trying to be the best Christian you can be. And it's like they convince you that you need them just as much or, and they do it in a group setting. So you can't back out. And like one of the things is there's a woman by the name of Terry Phillips and her story breaks my heart. And she had anxiety and depression and she was like watching, she was in a service and they were talking about like giving to God your depression, your antidepressants and things like that. So she was like, okay, I'm going to get off of them. And here's the thing. When you first get off your antidepressants, it's still in your system. The first week or so, you're kind of okay. You may not be great, but you're kind of okay. But once that depletes out of your system, you're fucked. There's a reason why they tell you to wean yourself off of them. That's exactly what my point was going to be is like, I'm sure they just had her abruptly stop. Right. And that is dangerous that is very very dangerous pretty much you know on any of them like that's not good for your health to do that exactly and when you do abruptly stop like it's saying you don't feel the effects of it immediately yeah i mean i'm on zoloft it's like if i don't take my zoloft tomorrow i'll be okay tomorrow but like three weeks from now jessica not taking her zoloft oh my god no I would die. I, I'm not die, but like I could. My depression could like spiral. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it becomes dangerous. And that's why you have to wean yourself off because you have to like come out of it slowly. But so she did. And when she started like having the depressive thoughts and the suicidal thoughts and the panic attacks, she did exactly what she was told to do, which was to pray and read scripture. And she reached out for help, which I commend her yeah. for going to her leadership. Because this is something a lot of times like I struggle with my depression is reaching out for help. Tara knows this. Like I don't even tell Tara sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, Tara has to be like, smack me on the head and be like, what's going on in your brain? <laughs> um, you know, because she loves me. Yeah. But So she tells Ted like, okay, I'm struggling with this. And he's like, well, you need to get this under control because these are demons. You need to pray and cast out these demons. Mental health isn't demons. Mm-mm. We debunked that a couple, I want to say like decades ago. Right. Yeah. And also Gwen has put in there that if you're asking for help, it's selfish. Literally, there's this thing where she's, there's a recording of her going, you didn't call asking about me or my needs. You're calling about you. You're being selfish. You're only thinking about you when you're calling it. That's the whole point. People are reaching out for help, you selfish cunt. Mm -hmm. Like, literally. Like, you're so caught up in like, oh, they're not giving me what I need. Like, fuck you. Fuck you and your big hair. The higher the hair, the evil the woman. I'm just saying. (laughs) This woman is like... For real. The more unhinged she becomes. (laughs) Right. We go back to Sarah. She comes in this and she had health issues. Like she had disordered eating and she shares that like in one moment, like one day she remembers like asking her husband if she could get permission to get a Starbucks drink. And he was like, well, do you want that or do you want dinner? Fuck you. 
if I have to choose between my dinner and my Starbucks, I'm getting rid of my husband. Yeah. Not because I need Starbucks and need dinner. I mean, I need both of those things, but like, that's not a healthy relationship. No. And so she's a calorie deficit. She's already super tiny. She's had anorexia and bulimia as a teenager. And she's like running on top of this. So she's, she was doing a marathon and she goes to the fucking ER, which... I believe I'll tell about in a little bit. Yeah, I'll tell about that in a little bit because it jumps. Because then it jumps back to Terry and talking about her suicidal thing. So she feels suicidal. So she goes to the ER. I don't know if she drives herself or goes by ambulance. But she goes to the ER and she tells the doctor at the ER that she's suicidal. So they transfer her to a psychiatric facility. And she tells the doctor about the cult and the cult is and the doctor's like, yeah, you're not going home tonight. You're staying here. Because she was trying to protect her. So she's admitted. Terry then the next day wakes up and is like, oh no, I don't want to be in here. Like she's feeling, she probably was feeling a little safer. She probably was has some meds back in her system at this point. So she calls her husband because she needs a lawyer to get out. And um, Ted had told her husband that she deserves hell on earth for being disobedient. And so she deserved to stay there. And so Remnant Fellowship left her there. Disgusting. Sarah's husband was similar when he found out the fact that she was in there due to self-induced non-eating. He was like, you did this to yourself. Fucking awful. Motherfucker, you asked her to choose between a Starbucks drink, which is, let's be honest, like, unless you're getting like a venti caramel frappuccino with extra caramel extra whip even still even still in the drink and at the bottom it's a normal amount of calories i'm just saying that because like one time i calculated that out the venti caramel frappuccino and it was like 1200 calories well right but it's like you know sometimes you just need a treat exactly it's not like that was gonna be an everyday thing for her let's be fucking for real and even if it is i mean he shouldn't say that either way younger spooksters don't do that though that's probably not good this the sugar alone isn't good for you good for you no but yeah you're right he should absolutely not be saying those things to her because that is so abusive it doesn't matter if it's his wife girlfriend kid friend saying that to anybody person on the street yeah like the fuck and sometimes like tara said like it's nice to have a treat now sarah's husband just left her in the hospital because it's self-induced it wasn't self-induced it was remnant fellowship induced and this is like the doctor told her if you do not change what you're doing you will die and that's when she came up with i had to get out and then the whole michael thing happened it took her almost dying to like change her life which happens to people. Terry's husband finally does come and like talk to the doctor and it took them 45 minutes to convince him that she was clinically depressed and not having it like it wasn't a spiritual problem. Can you imagine as a psychiatric professional sitting across from someone's husband and they're like, well, this is just she needs to get right with God. Like she's got some spiritual problems. And they're like, no, motherfucker, she's chemically imbalanced right now. And she needs to get on these meds to help her deal with whatever her depression is. Like she needs to become more stable. She needs whatever her brain is missing. And he's like, nope, it's the demons. I can't. I would love to be a fly on the wall. That poor doctor. (laughs) Doctor was like, I think you need to be admitted, sir. (laughs) I think you need to stay. (laughs) So then the doctors were like, she needs to stay on these meds. So they go home and Terry's husband looks at her and says, look, you can take your meds as long as I never see you take your meds. That way, if church leadership ever finds out and asks, I can say I've never seen you do it. I don't know what she's doing. And then she's like, I went to the leadership was so excited because like I was better. Because here's the thing with antidepressants and anti and like anti-anxiety medicine, you don't become like a different person. You just become you again. And she was her again. And 
she seems like she's got a bubbly personality and she's wonder like warm. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, oh my God, thank Jesus. Like you didn't go on those meds and look at you back to normal. God has blessed you. It's like, no, bitch, I'm on the meds and therefore I can praise God because God and that the scientist who made the meds. <laughs> I always used to use that. Yeah. But according to Bob, my sweet Bob, my sweet old man Bob, he believes that Gwen's ultimate goal is to be like God Almighty. In a deposition that Gwen did, she was asked if she knew if a lot of people online thought Remnant Fellowship was a cult. And bitch, like, you know what? I would have been like, because they were like, are you aware of this? And she goes, not a lot. Like, you have to define a lot. Like, that's what she, like, clung right. to. Not like, we're not a cult. It was not a lot of people. And then they're anonymous, so we don't know. And, like, she was kind of implying that maybe it was, like, one or two people, like, bombarding the internet. Yeah. No, no. There's a fucking documentary <laughs> on HBO. Right. <laughs> right. Natasha comes back in at this point, which I loved her outfit she was wearing. It was like this like pretty like periwinkle blue like power suit, like dress blazer thing. And I was like, oh, I want that. I'm like, I'm going to find that outfit. <laughs> she got primary custody and she was the got sole decision making. So she, for her daughter, could decide what her daughter's religion was. Joe couldn't. And then we come back in and we bring in Glenn and Carrie. If you remember, they had the daughter named Delaney who, you know, ran away and joined the cult. And Delaney was getting married on May 29th, 2021. And Glenn told her, like, look, your mom and I are not fucking coming to the wedding if Gwen is going to do it or if it's at the church. Delaney goes away for a couple days and comes back and is like, we've changed our plans. We're not having it at the church. And Gwen isn't going to officiate it. And she might not even come. So then they were like, okay, we'll come. But they felt like they've lost their daughter. They're like, we've lo- like our daughter's right there, but we've lost her, which that has to be so heartbreaking. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't imagine. It also warms my heart that Glenn and Carrie are friends with Natasha. Mm-hmm. Like, they've joined a little like support group for like, <laughs> the, like the victims of Remnant Fellowship. <laughs> and Glenn and Carrie have put it out there that if you're a member of Remnant Fellowship and you want to get out, they'll find a way to help you. Yeah. Uh, because I think what they're doing is they're trying to prepare for a day that Delaney is like, I want the fuck out. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. There's the, there's a guy that they interview throughout the th- all three of them and he's like an cult interventionist and he talks about Gwen and this is like the most accurate description I've ever heard of a cult leader is that Gwen plays with people like they're dolls that she picks them up and she plays with them while they're exciting and once they don't do what she wants or isn't the perfect picture of what she wants she discards them people in Gwen's life were a hundred percent disposable and as long as they like look at her husband of 40 fucking years oh my god right until he was no longer just like valuable to her she kept it and then when he when she met Joe, she's like, peace, I don't need your ass. So on May 29th, Delaney and Jackson are getting married. Yes. This is also the same day that the plane crashes, not very far from the fucking wedding. Right. Glenn says as he's about to walk Delaney down the aisle, he goes, last chance, we can get, like run. And she's like, let's go. And she met like down the aisle. And they still got married, even though the leaders of their church just died. It was Gwen and Joe, obviously. Brendan Hanna, who was Elizabeth's husband. And then, like, there was two other couples that were, like, leaders. And they were headed to Florida because we'll find out in the next episode why they were heading to Florida. Yeah. But, yeah, so three weeks later, so June 19th, 2021, Elizabeth is on the stage. Not, like, she's in black, but it doesn't look like she's mourning. 
And she's like, we will persevere and we're moving on and we're going to get out of this type situation. So the documentary aired in September of 2021 and Remnant Life didn't participate until about three weeks before they sent a statement. And this is their statement. There's a, It's much longer, but this is like the gist or the main one, which is Remnant Fellowship categorically denies the absurd, deflammatory statements and accusations made in this documentary. Our Christian beliefs, like hundreds of other churches in the United States, are Bible-based and our church is a place based on love, care, mercy, and kindness shown to people from all walks of life. Lies. It's not. Lie, lie, lie. It's like, you got to be like (laughs) tiny and perfect. And I don't really think they care about race. Like, I don't think that's a factor in them. Mm -mm. But they definitely care about the size of your waistband. Yep. And you can't be gay and you can't be depressed and all these other things. So sad. Really is. So that ends this episode. Next episode, the next two episodes get a little juicy because... Because they're after she Mm -hmm. has died. They're after... Yeah. And they are also after the documentary had aired. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's new people will be introduced to. Because yeah. People were like, oh, other former remnant people are here. I'll come speak. Yeah. So with that, we're going to wrap it up and we will be back on Thursday for another installment of this juicy, juicy, juicy series. Yes. Documentary series. Mm-hmm. So we'll see you then. Bye. Toodles. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.